You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. Before we kick off tonight's episode, which probably won't feature a ton of special content, we're just going to go through some thoughts on the offseason and what I hope the Jets do over the next couple of weeks. I did want to tell you about one of our other great podcasts because you need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Follow and subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now onto our wonderful offseason discussion and how I feel the Jets have done. There was one additional piece of business the Jets did, and it was signing Riley Nash to a one-year $750,000 deal. Nash is basically a shutdown fourth-line center, and when it comes to uh, you know defensive ability and certainly somebody who doesn't allow anything against, Nash is one of the premier guys at doing this kind of stuff, which for the Jets would be a really nice asset. Winnipeg, when it comes to their fourth line, it's usually very defensively porous. Finally, you know, Chevy and Maurice have brought in a guy who's probably going to be good at killing penalties. He's going to be good at limiting defensive issues. And he might be able to elevate the guys around him, at least to a level where they're not defensive sieves, right? If he can sort of manage the middle of the ice and let the wingers be a little bit more aggressive offensively, maybe that would help. Riley won't give the Jets much at the other end of the ice, but in terms of a guy that you can really trust to to manage some kids or even some mid-tier prospects or, you know, guys like Jansen Harkins who are still finding their way in the NHL, Nash is as good a a safety blanket as you could possibly ask for. I, I feel like this is a very savvy signing. This is very much in the Trevor Lewis or... Nick Shore kind of mold. I feel like, um, you know, Nash may not score many points and he might not be quite as offensively versatile as somebody like Shore was, but in terms of a guy that I would certainly be happy with on the fourth line, this dude will fit the bill. I feel like he's going to be fine. And that kind of brings me to my larger point about the offseason and how I feel the Jets have done. To be quite honest, I would say Winnipeg gets a really high mark. I've talked about it before. I feel like their drafting was very good. Uh, the trades I thought were very good. The free agent signing so far, you know, Winnipeg has avoided any sort of serious mistakes or issues. So overall, I feel like the Jets have done a pretty good job. Um, I, I would say so far it's probably at a B plus just because the Jets have a lot of expiring contracts that they're still working through. And Andrew Kopp and Neil Pionk are both looking for extensions. They have both filed for arbitration, so obviously it behooves the Jets to kind of figure out their plan long-term with both of these guys sooner rather than later. Almost every one of these negotiations gets split down the middle. That's just how it is. I don't think that that would benefit the Jets all that much, but in terms of uh, delaying the process, I guess you could think of it that way. I I don't think the Jets want to play with that because if Pionk or Cop leaves, especially for basically free, it'd be an issue. Now, of the two players, I would highly prioritize Pionk over Cop. I like Andrew. I think that he's a very versatile player and somebody who does deserve a pretty decent raise. But in terms of defenders that I don't think the Jets could live without, Pionk is kind of in that tier. 
Over the past couple of years, I feel like his game has really grown, and ever since he was freed out of the New York Rangers, the version of Pionk that we've continued to see mature has been a really good top four defender. Somebody who might actually have a shout if you give him the right top pairing partner on that number one unit. You will still see shades of some, you know, New York Rangers Pionk or early Jets Pionk in some of his games, and, and certainly the playoffs last year. They weren't super great. Um, the Flames series, I thought he had a rough one. Uh, the series against Montreal, he was struggling a little bit. Everyone was. But on the whole, the whole sample size of Pionk's career has been nothing but positives over the past couple of seasons. It's really taken off. He's become like a fringe number two. I feel like in terms of, of a payday, he's probably going to be looking for closer to six. And I do wonder if the Jets are really willing to get that close to the cap. I think that that's something that they've tried to avoid. I know that they're planning to potentially use uh, Brian Little's LTIR to go over if they need to. Or at least the rumor suggests this. But I don't think that this is something Winnipeg actually intends to do unless it kind of comes down to it and there's no other choice. My guess is they want to avoid any long-term messes that they just kind of kick down the road for a season. So... If they can find a, a way to fit both Cop and Pionk on very good deals, I feel like, you know, that's obviously the best option. I don't know if it's possible. They don't have a whole lot of cap space to work with, even without Little's LTIR. And of course, I'm sure the Jets are, are looking to try and figure out some cheap money for Logan Stanley too. Overall, though, looking at the way that Winnipeg approached this offseason, how aggressive they've been, the trades that they've made... I would give this this offseason, you know, ignoring the RFA contracts, if we filter those out, factoring in the draft and their trades, I'd give this a solid A. I think the Jets did great. The reality is Winnipeg is operating in a situation where they're not going to be able to attract a Dougie Hamilton. That's just not going to happen. And to be honest, I don't know if Hamilton would be enough to really fix the Jets. He is that lead number one D pairing that you would want, but in terms of kind of balancing the rest of the roster, I think the Jets would have some issues there because unfortunately, they're not just missing a number one D. There are some holes on the rest of the pairings that frankly needed patching up, and Winnipeg was probably looking to kind of, I'd say, improve by lots of quality additions rather than one incredible major one, and I think that this approach is honestly a little bit more fitting and maybe even smarter. Of their acquisitions, Schmidt probably carries the most risk, and his contract is certainly a little bit eye-watering, I would say. Um, he's got plenty of years left. He's got a pretty decent price tag on his cap hit. But in terms of how I feel he'll do for the Jets, I, I really do think that he'll be a pretty good player. I got to watch him a lot when he was in Washington, and he was a very confident, skilled puck mover. He's got a great shot. His passing and vision are top-notch. I, I don't know if age is maybe starting to catch up to him, but I just sort of feel like Vancouver maybe wasn't the best place for him. So maybe if he comes to the Jets, he'll rebound and find his form. If not, you know, I, I will be upset, but I feel like the Jets did all that they could in terms of, you know, finding an asset that they deserve to really add to this roster. And look, they've they've done something that I've said has been one of their biggest issues, and that's not addressing their core problems. This time, though, they finally got around to doing it, and they didn't really give up much in the way of assets other than cap space, which, of course, cap space is very valuable right now, but I feel like the Jets have made the right call. They've improved their roster significantly. They had a very high skill draft. All in all, Winnipeg's offseason, you know, barring the RFA negotiation stuff, I'm going to give it an A. I feel like that's fair. Now, there is some unfinished business, and I'll talk about what I feel like the Jets should do coming up in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. In the wild, wild west of online bets, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. 
Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, MMA, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, Bet Online has your back. Before that next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and scout all the contests for your next win. Stop sitting on the sidelines as all of your favorite teams begin their playoff quests for glory. Win as your favorite teams win. To get started, go to BetOnline.ag and register for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON at registration to receive a matched welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are just kind of talking a little bit casually about the offseason and, and how I felt it's going. And overall, you know, I mentioned that the Jets, I thought, had a pretty good offseason. I was very happy with it. Winnipeg has done some pretty tidy business. But of course, there's still business to go. And I think where the Jets still have a couple of minor gaps to fill actually might be pretty important positions down the road. One of the ones that still kind of sticks out to me is the backup goalie position. Now, I know Eric Comrie was resigned and Mikhail Berdin is still there, but let's be honest. I don't think the Jets want to put a lot of faith in either of those guys playing more than like 10 to 15 games. Now, you know, Laurent Brassois probably did need to get a raise and move on to somewhere else, so I feel like it was cool to let him go and, and seek opportunity elsewhere. But in terms of like a backup for Hellebuck, I feel like the Jets actually should try and find somebody on the cheap. As much as I want to trust Comrie, I just feel like his overall sample size at the NHL level really hasn't given me much to say, yeah, this is the guy. He'd only have to play a couple of games, but maybe those games are actually pivotal in what looks to be a pretty pretty difficult Central Division matchup. And look, I'll be honest, based on what the Jets have done this offseason, I feel like they really have a shot of making the playoffs, and actually doing it in semi-convincing fashion, which you probably would not expect me to normally say, but this is kind of where the Jets are. I feel like they've done a pretty good job. The rest of the Central is kind of a mix, right? Outside of, like, Colorado, you have a lot of really mixed bag teams. I like the Wild, but I feel like maybe losing Kaprizov and, and sort of losing some of their veteran experience in favor of some players who are maybe a little bit cheaper might not actually uh, pan out for them in the immediate future. Long term, their picture's looking pretty good, but they're going to have to lose some of their roster players and see a bit of a dip in their quality, most likely, over the next year or so. Long term, I think it's going to work out, but maybe this is one of those situations where their team surprises me and they actually continue to perform as strongly as they did earlier this year. Nashville's kind of whatever, you know, same with the Dallas Stars. I don't really know what to make of either of those teams. I don't know that they're really all that dangerous, but... Even still, the Jets need to take this division pretty seriously, and so I would like them to find a nice backup goalie somewhere, somebody that they could get for around $1 million, and then look for a top nine forward. Now, the top nine thing is going to be a bit of a challenge, right? Tomasz Tatar would be probably one of my most coveted free agents. I feel like people really sleep on just how good he is, and if you're looking for a genuine play-driving creator who also scores, Tatar basically does it all. You bring him in, you sign him for a season or two, probably more like two to three seasons at least, and you sort of get him on a decent contract where he can be a contributor and a regular. I feel like this is the kind of free agent signing that would actually make sense for the Jets. Look, Connor Hellebuck is not getting younger. This is, you know, Vesna season's back-to-back, right? The first one, he got the award. The second one, he he got really close, even if the voters were really stupid. But, you know, all that said, the Jets are are really riding the success of their goaltender, and now they've overhauled their defense. 
The forwards are probably one of the last big areas that I feel could use a little bit of attention. Going into next year, I don't think their top six is bad or anything. I just feel like it could use a little bit more two-way transition ability, especially in somebody like Tatar. You know, his creativity in the offensive zone is very helpful. He's responsible with a puck. I feel like he'd be a very good addition, and I don't know that he would actually cost all that much. He kept getting benched by Montreal, so I sort of wonder if his league perception just isn't there right now. But if you bring him in for two to three seasons for like two and a half to three million per season, I would say that is an absolute steal for the Jets. Tatar has no real incentive to sign this kind of contract, and I don't think it'd be fair to ask him, but that's kind of what I would say if if the Jets were to sign him, and that's kind of the, the contract that they arrive at, Winnipeg would be far and away the easiest winners to declare of the entire NHL offseason. They're already at the top of the list, but if they add Tatar, it'd be a monster, monster offseason for a team that frankly needed it. The thing that sort of still puzzles me a little bit is that the Jets are, are talking about looking a little bit higher, looking for a bigger impact forward, and I just don't really know where somebody like that kind of figures in. Unless they trade one of their top-end prospects, right? And I'm talking like a Vili Heinola kind of prospect. I don't know that many good forwards that would improve this lineup are going to be available. One name some of my friends were interested in from Twitter was, uh, of course, Matthew Tuchuk from the Flames, which Tuchuk would be a very interesting addition. Tuchuk plays a very edgy game, but not one that is overly dangerous. He's just a very tough customer. He's got a great shot. He He's an absolute offensive force in the slot area. He's got a ton of skill, great passing, great vision, really strong edge work. He's got great balance. I mean, he checks off every single box for a modern-day power forward that also brings a ton of skill. He'd be one of the most positive additions to this lineup that I think this team has ever seen. Like, you would be looking at somebody equivalent to prime prime Perot back in his earliest days and if you gave Perot like you know 30 minutes a night or something like that. Tachuk is a literal force of nature and he would be a monster for the Jets and plays a lot of the the style that I think Maurice would actually appreciate. Whether or not the Jets would actually be able to afford him a little bit more ambivalent on that. I feel like the Jets would have to make some really big concessions in terms of prospects and and certainly some of their their asset depth but if that's the kind of play you want to make, I'm I'm for it. Look, if you're going to trade Heinola because you don't think that he figures into your long-term picture or really realistically in like the near-term couple of seasons, then you better make use of him somewhere else. And trading for somebody like Tuchuk is probably one of the few players that I would say is actually worth it. If it's not somebody in that tier, then don't work on a package. Let it go. Bring in a, a decent free agent. And think about it next year. This season, though, you know, you got to be realistic. You got to make sure that you're not overspending and, and keep things, you know, within reason, right? I think that that's the biggest thing the Jets are trying to do right now. And thus far, they've done a great job. They've avoided bad free agents. They haven't made any crappy trades. I would be satisfied with this. If they can add somebody elite at the top end with a decent trade package, you know what? Go nuts. Let's see what happens. But other than that, you know, uh, just fill in a couple of gaps. And this is a good offseason for me. Of course, not every team has had a great offseason. Certainly some of the ones out there are a little bit sketchier, I would say, and I'll talk about a couple of those teams in just a moment. Before then, I wanted to tell you about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. 
Bilbart often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now taking a look at some of the biggest losers from this offseason. There have been a couple of um, interesting teams and, and some of their moves. Let's start off with the Edmonton Oilers, who have my vote for biggest on-ice losers. Now, of course, they're not the team that I would say was the most definitive loser. That's still the Chicago Blackhawks, but that's mostly because of their their Aldrich case. Really doesn't have anything to do with the on-ice product. Talking about on-ice stuff specifically, yeah, the Oilers, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, right now, they're currently in the process of re-signing Darnell Nurse for like $9 million per season. I think they want to go max eight years. I don't really understand why you would give somebody of, of Nurse's caliber that kind of money. I think that he's a good player and he has some genuine offensive value, but what he gives up at the other end of the ice is a serious problem. They then decided to fix the rest of their defensive issues by trading for Duncan Keith and signing Cody Cece for a multi-year deal. If you ask anyone in their right mind if that's a defensive improvement, I think everyone just about would say, heck no. Of those guys, I would say CC probably is the most defensively reliable, but we only have a very short sample size of him being pretty decent with the Penguins to go off of, and that's not the kind of performance where you say, yeah, let's sign him for a multi-year, like three or four-year contract. If you gave him like two seasons at a reasonable cap hit, I don't think people would have complained, but adding those extra years of term for a guy who really hasn't proven that he's like consistently amazing, it it's a little bit much. And then you start to factor in the loss of Ethan Bear, who was starting to blossom into a really good top four defender, and I just don't understand what Edmonton is doing. I look at McDavid and the fact that he's now increasingly on an island with Dreisaitl and Puyayarvi and Yamamoto as well. Yeah, that, I mean, that team is just a hot mess, man. Ken Holland is already running it into the ground, and it was already in the mud to begin with. The thing with Holland is that when he arrived, there was a chance that he could have salvaged the team that Shirelli and previous owners had left, but now it's just basically, it's it's done. There's not much else you can do. Their forward additions have definitely been been more positive, I would say, but the defensive stuff that they've done and the contracts that they're handing out, yeah, they're pretty much screwed. Also on the list of offseason losers has to be the Seattle Kraken. I don't really know what happened with the Kraken, their expansion draft, or everything that happened afterwards, but... That team just feels like it's running in multiple directions, and I don't know if they really have a unified vision. I'm not really fond of, like, Dave Haxtell's style of hockey. I feel like it's very defensively oriented, and, and sure, for a team that's just coming into the league and is going to have limited resources, that would probably make a lot of sense. I think the issue is that Haxtell really can't improve the talent or make it work at a higher level than what it's going to be on paper. And the on-paper product is not looking super hot, man. I, I look at that forward unit, and it's... It's got a couple of names that I think are decent, but the rest of the team is pretty rough. There's a lot of depth on there and maybe not particularly productive depth. You know, adding Jaden Schwartz and Philip Grubauer to long-term contracts doesn't really move the needle either. It just takes up a lot more cap space and makes them marginally better. And they still really haven't gotten many trades or assets in exchange for some of the lesser players that they took or the crazy amount of defenders that they drafted in expansion. 
I guess I really don't understand what Seattle's strategy is, and I've had people tell me, well, it was to acquire cap space and make that their priority, which, yeah, cool. You do that, and then, and then you screw it up, right? You, you take all that cap space, and then you just blow it on stuff that doesn't really make sense. So, again, what is their strategy? Do they want to be competitive in a crappy division? They had better opportunities to take, you know, actual NHL talent during, during the expansion draft that they kind of skipped over, and now their team is just sort of, it's, it's pretty ho-hum. Is it going to make the postseason in the Pacific? Probably, but I highly doubt we're going to see a repeat of Vegas. And look, I get that their choices were technically not as good as what happened when Vegas made their draft, in part because teams had never gone through the process before, and it was a bit of an eye-opening experience for everyone. But all that said, Seattle still made a number of mistakes. Did they make as many as, as Edmonton has in this offseason? No, probably not. But still, Seattle just feels like a missed opportunity early. They could have been really good on paper and maybe even on the ice in their first season, but instead it just feels like they're going to be pretty mediocre. I'm sure they'll do something to prove me wrong and make me sound like an idiot, but I, I have a hard time looking at that team and thinking that they're going to be particularly competitive. We'll know for sure in a couple of months as they start to ramp up for the regular season. Maybe we'll even see some early preseason action. Maybe the Kraken are going to be fun. We'll know soon enough. For tonight's episode, I'm going to stop my uh, loser's tirade there. Um, before we actually go on to tomorrow's episode, I did want to put out a call for any sort of commentary and feedback that you have on this offseason and how the Jets have handled it, what you're looking forward to next year. Let me know on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. I would love to talk about your feedback and how you feel as a fan on tomorrow's show. If I get no responses, I'll figure something out. But for tonight's episode, that will do it. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, don't forget to check out our Locked on Bets podcast. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.